0: An unmatched dual threat.
1: This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Sunday, August 16th. And unfortunately, folks, we have our first series loss to discuss, not exactly how we were hoping to be spending this Sunday and not exactly the podcast I assume you guys were hoping to listen to, but the good vibes have slowed at least for one weekend as the Brewers come into Wrigley Field. And take the final three games of this set with the Cubs. The Cubs winning the first game of this series and then dropping three in a row. So we have the Cubs' first losing streak here, their first series loss. Uh, not a, a very fun weekend all around, Brendan. And I, I have to tell you, if I'm being honest, I didn't miss uh, this that that feeling of losing a close series, a bunch of one-run games. To the Milwaukee Brewers, I, I didn't miss I that know. in my life. And and when we were excited to have baseball back, and excited that the Cubs had gotten off to a thirteen and three start, um, I kind of—I don't want to say I forgot about it, but it was—it was sort of a rude awakening on this Sunday to be greeted with that sentiment once again.
0: Well, baseball is going to do that to you, right? Like we were talking about this uh, in contrasting what we saw from these losses from last year. And these losses against the Brewers, there are so many instances of those like cheap dunker base hits that are that are just sneaking through. Or even on Sunday's game, you have those, those home runs on like a backdoor cutter from John Lester or an inside pitch that Arcea turned on. Like there, there are some times where you can execute your pitches and you just get beat, and it happens. And baseball is going to do that to you. Yeah. So. We will break
1: down everything that happened in these four games with the Brewers. We will look ahead to the series with the Cardinals that features, uh, unfortunately, a few double headers, and we'll talk about uh, anything going on in between. But as always, we'll start with a quick recap of these four games just to set the table here. And things started out really well on this weekend, about as well as they could have uh, behind the arm of Hugh Darvish, who was out outstanding on Thursday. Truly outstanding and actually as we record this on Sunday it is the birthday of you Darvish. So a happy birthday to you. Not so happy with uh, how he had to spend it at Wrigley Field for a few hours on Sunday but I do hope that uh, our king has a very nice rest of his birthday uh, on Sunday (laughs) evening. But Darvish on Thursday, going seven innings, one hit, one earned, two walks, and 11 strikeouts. He flirted with a no hitter in this game. That ended on a Justin Smoke home run in the top of the seventh. So, you, Darvish, was rolling. It would have been a little tricky with the pitch count. It was up there. I I was starting to get pretty curious about how David Ross uh, might have. Managed around that if you had kept that going, uh, just given Yu's history and this whole ramp up situation, I we we don't really know like what that threshold would have been. Uh, but to get through it, he probably would have been pushing at least 120, 130 pitches, which maybe they would have let him do it. But I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, but Darvish was fantastic in this game, and I I really wanted him to. I mean, obviously, I want guys to throw no hitters, right? But I, just for you with everything that he's dealt with in his career um the the exit from the Dodgers uh, even though the Astros were cheating and the and the way that the fans there treated him the way that a large segment of Cub fans treated him when he was hurt uh, to start his career with the Cubs and and just everything that he's gone through that would have been just such an amazing moment for him and and really kind of like a signature moment of the way that he's rebounded from the way that his Cubs career started but uh want to read this stat from uh, Jordan Bastian from MLB.com and Cubs.com. Hugh Darvish's first 26 starts with the Cubs, he had a 4.99 ERA with 160 strikeouts and 70 walks, uh, over 137 innings pitched. In his last 17, dating back to 2019 and of course 2020, a 2.56 ERA with 145 strikeouts and 11 walks in 105 and two-thirds innings pitched. The key number there, and if you've been watching him over these past couple years, you know this is that K to walk ratio, one forty five to eleven in his last one hundred and five point two innings pitched. You has turned the corner, and you know as we pointed out, I mean he is a top starter in this league. He is absolutely just unhittable, truly at times, and that was a pleasure to watch on Thursday. The Cubs getting their runs to win this game. Uh, they do win this one four to two. A Javi Baez ground out. Kyle Schwarber's third home run of the year, an Ian Happ double and a David Bodie single were the run scoring plays in this one. A good outing from Casey Sadler to follow. You Darvish and Rowan Wick picking up his third save of the year with a good outing for him. So all around uh, a really good way to start this series on Thursday and then it was followed by three one-run losses to the Brewers. So I, as always, when the Cubs lose games like this, I'm not going to sit here and tell you how the Brewers scored their runs. I don't think anybody cares, but just to cover a couple of the important notes from these games, Alec Mills started the second game of this series on Friday uh, on about three hours notice. So Tyler Chatwood uh, dealing with some back issues, and uh, he's, he's going to be out for a little bit, actually. So that's a bit of a blow to the Cubs rotation. But Alec Mills stepping up, uh, even though he wasn't supposed to be pitching, and had a, a pretty good start, all things considered. Six innings, five hits, four earned, one walk, and seven strikeouts. So Mills can, continues to be a, a very good member of this rotation. And I think you got to give him props. He wasn't supposed to start. And he stepped in, uh, and he had a pretty good outing in this one. Uh, The big blow in this one, unfortunately, is a Christian Yelich game-winning three-run home run, so that is super, super annoying. It was uh, really one of the few mistakes that Alec Mills made, and he made the wrong pitch to the wrong guy, so that was the story on Friday. And uh, a sort of similar story for the rest of this series here. On Saturday, uh, Colin Ray getting the spot start here, and and he was pretty good. Again, all things considered. You had a couple guys, Mills and Ray, step into situations that they were not necessarily expecting, and uh, they they did a, a pretty good job. Ray only goes three and a third, but remember, he had been in the bullpen. Uh, four hits, three earned, no walks, no strikeouts. Again, all things considered, it was a nice outing for him. Uh, He was followed by Tapera, Kyle Ryan, Casey Sadler, Winkler, and Jeremy Jeffress. Jeremy Jeffress takes the loss in this one. His first hits allowed on the entire season, Uh, giving up some runs. Obviously, in two innings, he tried his best, but uh, the Cubs get bit by that extra innings situation. The notes as far as the Cubs scoring runs in this one, Anthony Rizzo with his fifth home run of the season. Ian Happ had an RBI double in this game. Anthony Rizzo would also add an RBI double, and then Steven Sousa Jr. tied this game late. Uh, his, His first sort of big moment for the Cubs, his first home run off the foul pole in left, but the Brewers would get to the Cubs' bullpen in extra innings. They win this one 6-5. to five. On Sunday, the Brewers win again 6-5, to five. and in super annoying fashion, it's uh, that bottom of the order for the Brewers that did a lot of the damage for them today. Uh, John Lester made, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't even really call them mistakes. Uh, they weren't really bad pitches in this game to Hira and uh orlando arcia the pitch to arcia was way in and off the plate but he took it out anyway John goes six, gives up nine hits, five or no walks, and five strikeouts. Uh, so obviously, John not going to keep that one point zero six ERA that he came into the game with. But I thought all things considered, John was pretty good in this game. Just a, a couple balls that got taken deep. Obviously, uh, when you're pitching to contact as much as he has been, gave up nine hits today. You know, a little bit more of that uh, BABIP luck not going his way. Uh, but he did get five strikeouts in this game, and I thought overall looked pretty good. Uh, you know, again, just got bit. By the long ball a couple times, uh, a couple times with runners on, and you know that adds up to uh, runs is how baseball works. So the Cubs getting their runs in this one though on a Kyle Schwarber single, a Steven Souza Jr. double, and a Jason Kipnis two RBI single that tied the game in the bottom of the sixth. But the Brewers would immediately get that run back. Uh, Ian Happ with a very not good play on a ball hit on a line that ends up in a triple for Orlando Arcia. And of course, Ryan Braun drives in the winning run. So the Cubs lose three straight games in this series, two of which the uh, winning run driven in by Christian Yelich and Ryan Braun. Welcome back to baseball being bad Ugh. and very annoying. We had gotten a little spoiled, I think, with that 13-3 start. <laughs> we did. and start uh, and the baseball got. Made sure that we remembered that there is still pain to be had by the sport of baseball uh, with the way that this series went. We'll talk about the bullpen at the end, but there was, uh, you know, some other encouraging things that happened, uh, uh, you know, in in the bullpen perspective in this weekend series. So we'll touch on all that. at the end of the broadcast, but we did see Jason Adam make his debut, Craig Kimbrell with a really nice outing, uh, kind of progressing, at least in the positive direction on Sunday, and Sadler uh, continues to be really good. So we will look at all of that towards the end, Uh, but Brendan, you know, just general thoughts. The the first thing that I want to talk about is the offense uh, and really the lack thereof from Mm -hmm. a, a few key names and how that's kind of affecting things but this is this is an interesting series and I think one where it's very important to keep perspective on things right like the Cubs were literally winning at an 800 clip they were winning 80 percent of their games like you know coming into this series and they lose a few one-run games and I, I think that it was very frustrating it's it's frustrating you know, that the Cubs have not been able to dominate the Brewers more than they have. I think over the last few years, they're they're playing at a pretty even rate against the Brewers. Uh, so disappointing in that sense, disappointing to lose three in a row. But This is also a point where you go back to the way that we've talked about the way the Cubs started this season. We've said repeatedly how nice it was and important it was to bank those early wins, how important it was to have started 13-3, and and I think you really feel that now, where instead of worrying about someone else being in first place— or something along those lines you're just looking at the Cubs lead in the division has been trimmed so I think you got to maintain perspective they they need to show up in this series against St. Louis and play better baseball uh, and obviously get better results but this you know this this wasn't a a total mess uh, of a series they they lost some one-run games it's frustrating uh, especially in a a shortened season but I, I think all things considered um you know, certainly nothing to sound any panic bells about. The Cubs are still oh, in a no. very good place. I only say that because Cubs Twitter becomes an absolute mess when they lose games to the Brewers. So it does. So I'm just getting that <laughs> out there. You, you know, like the yeah. Cubs are still in a very good place. Uh, but it was a frustrating series nonetheless.
0: We are excited to partner with Obvious Shirts. There is no doubt that you've seen people wearing Obvious Shirts at Wrigley Field, around Wrigleyville, and around the Chicago area. These shirts are funny and are super basic that state something obvious, such as St. Louis is boring. There are also dozens of other funny, obvious slogan shirts that you can buy at ObviousShirts.com. One of my personal favorites is their new Tony 2 Chains shirt with literally two gold chains printed on a number 44 shirt. I also like their We Love You shirt in regards to you, Darvish. So go to obviousshirts.com and use promo code Cubs Related at checkout for 10% off. Talking about sensitive health issues such as hair loss and ED can be extremely challenging. Usually, we just ignore the problem or even blame ourselves. We might even ignore it due to stress at work or at home. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Cubs and complete an online visit. Go to GetRoman.com Cubs today. If approved, you will get $15 off your first order of ed treatment or hair loss treatment that's get slash cubs get roman.com slash cubs yeah they're losing games these games particularly on things that are going to be cleaned up for example you can't lose three one run games and think that's going to continue. There's there's just no way. There's too many positives, even from this series, that we have to consider. And some of the positives are the continuous quality plate appearances. And I get they didn't put up the number of runs we've seen in the series before this, but the quality of the at-bats from my eye, this could just be my perspective and I could be off base, but when I watch the quality of these at-bats, they're still there from two weeks ago. And we'll talk about Javi, we'll talk about Wilson Contreras and Nico and Kipnis and all these guys. But generally speaking, my takeaway and my feeling on this team has not shifted just because they lost three or four. I'm still in the exact same place I was five days ago. The concern I do have, and this is not under the Cubs' control, but the concern I do have is with these five games against the Cardinals four of which coming in two days and with Jason Hayward experiencing some nagging injuries and seeing KB coming back and seeing Javi dealing with a sinus issue and his issues. And now the pitching staff with Chatwood and his back injury, it it does make me consider like, oh, like this is the worst possible timing to be experiencing these injuries, but that's out of the Cubs' control. So we can talk about what we know is within the Cubs' control, and that is how they're approaching their at-bats, how they're managing the bullpen, how the rotation continues to look. And all of those, in my eyes, is still a positive. Yeah,
1: I I think the timing of all of this is specifically unfortunate just so you know of course right. the Cubs are gonna have to play the Cardinals so many times they're gonna have to play a couple of double headers right after their first losing streak of the season right after a frustrating series and right as uh, a few guys are experiencing some you know not major health concerns uh but a lot of some nagging of back injuries. tightness really could li- you know we need to yeah, we need I need to get a back that. specialist involved uh with the Cubs get some masseuse like in that. there or something yeah yeah but I I think it's it's unfortunate and look like as you said, Brendan, it's out of the Cubs' control. So we could sit here and gripe as much as we want about the situation with the Cardinals and and where it's landed them. I, I think obviously we're not happy, and I don't expect all of you are that the MLB is you know in a sense punishing everyone else in the AL Central or the NL Central with how the Cardinals are having to make up all these games, right? And and just the way that this is sort of going to be jammed in there. But it's it's the way it is. So, you know, us screaming about it isn't really going to do anything. I, I At least in hearing from David Ross, you're not going to hear the Cubs talking like that. You know, they need to show up and they need to win games. So yes, it's extremely obnoxious that the Cardinals mess around. And just for clarity sense their manager admitted that they made small protocol mistakes so there were a lot of cardinal fans in my (laughs) mentions on twitter when i said f the cardinals repeatedly uh because they were selfish and they they didn't take this seriously that said where's the evidence for that the casino story had been debunked your own manager said we made small mistakes and he actually wanted people to stop being mean to them about it. His response was effectively, we didn't go to the casino like people said or anything egregious, but we did make some small mistakes, but people should stop being mean to us. Okay, Mike, like other teams aren't making any mistakes. You know, like you guys are selfish, just like everybody said. Anyway, uh, I digress, (laughs) right? We could go on about that for a long time, but this is the situation that it's in. Yes, it feels unfair to the Cubs that they have to play doubleheaders because the Cardinals again, as their own manager admitted, made small mistakes in dealing with this virus. But that's how it is. So, you know, it, it's, it's not really going to do us a lot to waste too much breath on that. But what I do want to talk about is I, I think the, the biggest issue right now that is facing this team, uh, and that is that a few of your top hitters are not contributing in that way lately. And it's differing degrees for all of them. So I, I, I'm I going to lump them together because right now, as we're talking about this, the, the, the production from these spots is, I think, what is really hurting uh, this team. And, you know, again, you look at this, like they lost three one-run games over the weekend, all things considered with the production that they're getting from some of the guys near the top of their order. So that's part of the reason that you know it's very frustrating but you also think like okay like this should get corrected soon enough but again differing degrees so not necessarily lumping them together other than just to talk about it um chris bryant who's had an an up and down season, though he came into the game on Sunday in August with a 950 OPS. So I know people like to freak out Mm. about KB, uh, but the month of August for him had been pretty good. Uh, Sunday wasn't, but it had been a, a pretty good month so far for him. And this whole season is a small sample. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, but on the season, he has a 76 WRC plus. Remember that a hundred is league average. So that is below, uh, Wilson Contreras has, has struggled a bit and his numbers are strange. And I don't like the trend in some of them, uh, which we'll get into. I'm, I'm just sort of setting the table here. Uh, and the, the, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not concerned about any of these guys in the long term, right? We, we've we seen struggles from some pretty big names, at least to start the season. Some of them have come around, some of them are still trying to come around, but, you know, Bellinger was bad for the first portion of this season. So was Christian Yelich, right? And we saw him wake up at least a little bit uh, over the weekend, but, you know, he still doesn't look like that, you know, crazy MVP version of himself, Uh, and so, you know, this isn't like a unique thing. Like some guys have, have, you know, gotten hot and they're hitting like themselves and other guys, it's taking a little longer in a 60 game season. It just stands out more. But the, I think, again, I'm not concerned about any of them, but, but this performance, I think is, is the one that is. Causing the the most problem for this Cubs lineup, and that is unfortunately Javier Baez hitting in the three hole, uh, who after Sunday has a 61 wRC plus. Uh, again, that is with 100 being league average. That is way below league average, uh, and he just has not gotten off to a good start this season. And I think this is something that we talked about, Brendan, where one of the dangers in a 60 game season was that it might just take guys a little while to get going. I know we talked about uh Anthony in that regard a little bit. He's he's been good this season, but in past we've seen him have slow starts in April. And then you know by the 162 game mark, you don't care because he gets hot, he turns it on and he puts together an Anthony Rizzo season. That's not what we've seen from him in this sense, but it is what we've seen from someone like Javi Baez. Uh and it it's just magnified in in a in a shortened season so again i am not i'm not concerned about any of these guys i don't think that all of a sudden you know uh these guys aren't good hitters or anything like that it, it's the the reason that we're bringing this up though is chris bryant's your leadoff hitter javi Baez is your three hitter and you know wilson Contreras is batting somewhere at four to five right in most of these lineups and wilson started hot but those numbers have come down the lack of production from these spots is not helping things, Brendan. Like, and again, like you yeah. look at three one run losses here in this series, and the lack of production, it's hard not to focus on those spots and say, you know, look, like if you were getting even closer to league average production out of Javi Baez for, for the, the the duration of this season, and, you know, same for uh, KB Wilson's right about at league average uh, in WRC Plus right now after the the struggles that he's had so far in August, uh, you just, you would feel a lot better about things. And, and we've talked about how this offense mm-hmm. has had a grinding approach. The approach is there. They're seeing a lot of pitches. Uh, they've been working starting pitchers for the most part. But just not getting that production that you need out of some of these spots and in a series like this against milwaukee that's that's really magnified
0: there was an interesting exchange on twitter with friends of the podcast uh, michael ceramie and jordan Bashton, and they were talking about like small sample sizes and reformulating timelines in like their minds where like a quarter of the season's gone but only 20 games have been played. It's only been a few weeks. And it's a weird thing to conceptualize when you try to project what this team will do in the next few weeks. It's really hard to project that. So the only things you can go on is your eye test and some of the metrics that that do stabilize. And the ones that stabilize the fastest are swing rate, our contact rate. And if we can look at those numbers and then match that with what we're seeing... Maybe you get more of a confident projection going forward. So in my mind, I I am seeing improvements in plate approaches and this overall quality of the plate appearances. And I look at Javi Baez, I look at Nico Horner, I look at Schwarber, I look at KB, they're they're more or less doing what we want them to do from a quality plate approach standpoint. Wilson, I'm not gonna throw in that category and we'll talk about that. But of the, of the other players I just mentioned. For example, Javi Bias. Javi is a free swinger. He always will be a free swinger. But this year, his outside-the-zone swing rate has improved from 45% to 35%. That matches what I've seen. And we can go look at that Saturday plate appearance in the ninth inning when Javi was facing Hater. Javi worked a full count. He came back and really forced Hayter to throw a good pitch. And you can see Javi's, like, like train of thought. Hader starts the at-bat with a high fastball. Javi misses it. Hader then goes inside with the slider. Javi, to his credit corey, lays off it. Maybe in years past, he would have swung at that. Javi then sees another high fastball, just misses it, and then forces his way to a full count, and then he strikes out. It happens. Baseball's going to baseball. But the point being is that was almost a microcosm of what Javi has done in the fa- in the past few weeks, where he is working good at bats, in my view. The numbers back that up, but he's just missing his pitch. And I feel as if the same thing is happening for Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant's still working quality at bats, still swinging at uh, pitches outside the zone at a better than league average rate, but Brian's just missing some of these pitches, and he is making a little bit less contact on pitches inside the zone. I don't think that's going to continue. Just the, the overall plate approach, the overall track record suggests KB's fine. Numbers aren't there yet, but he's he's fine. Wilson, and we'll talk about Wilson here, but he's going in this weird hyper aggressive yeah. mode where he is chasing like Javi Baez. Yeah, I don't like it. And aggressive. he's making. S- yeah, I and mean, he's making a lot of hard contact, but it's that. And I described it to to you. I think at one point, it's almost like that twenty sixteen playoff mode, where where Willie was so good in some games and in other games this hyper aggressive mode, he got eaten alive. And I feel like Javi, the same thing happened in twenty sixteen as well during some stretches in the playoffs. So for Willie, he's he's got to improve that play discipline. Like this 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 is not sustainable for Willie. But for the other guys like Javi like Schwarber, like KB, even Nico Horner who's showing signs of positive plate discipline, that that is gonna to translate to runs at some point. It's only been twenty games and the surface-based numbers that we all love, like WRC plus and batting average and home runs and all of that, right? It's only twenty games. What contributes to those numbers look good from the eye test and from just an actual number standpoint. I think that should give a lot of people encouraging uh, or, some encouragement going forward
1: yeah, so again the the story with each of these guys is different um and and the reason that we 're talking about them together is again just because of where they hit in the order what their expectations are for each of them and when the Cubs lose three straight one-run games you just feel those holes in the lineup um and you know Javi gets in there as a, a pinch hitter late in the game like you mentioned to face Hater on Sunday but he you know he did get the get the day off which I, I think was good um but going to, to Wilson first, uh, just to kind of further the point that you were bringing up, right now, Wilson has a 5.7 walk rate and a 38.6% K rate. Uh, that's through That includes Sunday. In 2019, those numbers were a 9.3% walk rate, a 24.9% K rate, the year before 9.7 walk rate 22.2% k rate and similar numbers in both 2017 and 2016 around uh, a 9 10ish percent walk rate and around a 22 23% k rate uh as i said those those numbers in through sunday a 5.7 walk rate
0: and a 38.6% k-rate so wilson see those those are the extremes that that pop out at you right like the the other guys they don't have those extremes going on right now right yeah so that's that that's 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 why i
1: you know i think we're we're kind of digging into this here that's just not the player that that wilson has been uh he's not a guy who you know his walk rate is going to be close to that k-rate like that's not the player he is either uh but this is a pretty steep deviation from his career norms and it's shown a little bit in the exit velocity ratings you know wilson throughout this 2020 season so far has been one of the top exit velocity guys just ripping the ball when he touches it but a you know near 40 percent k rate is just not who he's been his entire career it's just not who he is as a player and i i'm not sure like where that's coming from uh or, or what is sort of spurring that on but it's not a trend that i'm super into is, is uh like really how i would explain that like it it does seem hobby-ish right but wilson isn't hobby it does um, they have a. they have some similar characteristics like their game is similar in ways. Their, their passion is, is similar. Uh, the, the way that they both kind of hunt those extra outs on defense and things like that. And the, the way that they can both bludgeon the ball uh, is, you know, so there are similarities, but Wilson is, this just isn't his game. And of course it's a short sample and, you know, this could just be how it's played out so far, but you would like to see him, reign that in a little bit, be a little more selective, uh, with his approach and, you know, try to cut down on that K rate. And it's, it's shown as his numbers have kind of gone the wrong direction, you know, um, where we're looking, you know, I mentioned before, That KB had had obviously the slow start, but you know had had put up an over 900 OPS in the games that he's played in August. Wilson's kind of going that other direction, you know. Now his WRC plus is sitting at 106 after the game on Sunday, uh, which is creeping closer to league average. You know, so his his is trending down. It could just be a fluke in in these early going. Uh, You know, again, it's it's such a small sample; it's hard to really know. Uh, But that's one of those things where, like you said, like you look at a lot of these guys and you say, okay, the approach is there. They're grinding these at-bats. They seem to be seeing the ball like, okay. There's, They're just a tick off. There's just something about... You know their timing or anything that it that is just a tick off from from where it should be, and maybe they'll they'll click into gear. And you know Wilson is getting is still ripping the ball, but uh, that that walk rate lowering and that K rate rising to such an alarming level is just you know not it's it's just something to monitor. It's it's not a trend that you yeah. would like to see. Uh, you know, a guy in his what is this Wilson's fifth year in in the league, all of the a sudden you know the the fighters. K rate skyrocketing. You know, it's just not the direction you want to see something going so hopefully it's just one of those loud things in uh the, the early going here and, and just with everything going on uh but it's it, it's worth pointing out because it's a, pr- a pretty extreme change so far
0: and with him batting behind javi you don't want two of the same right. guys profiling hitting third and fourth right and i think i think we have seen the danger of that in the past week because both of those guys have been basically doing exactly the same thing so it does make me wonder. Okay, if Wilson needs to work stuff out, maybe move him back a spot or two. And this is not to like bash on Wilson. This is just, this is just trying to maximize as many runs as possible while giving guys time and and the space to to work on some things. And I w- I would say Wilson is. One of, if not the only guy, from a quality plate approach standpoint, that may need to iron some things out. So maybe it makes sense to put like Schwarbs in that fourth spot or move up. I don't know, Ian Happ even to to the fourth spot uh, for a few days. Just just something to get to get Wilson back in the mindset that swinging at those many pitches outside the zone uncharacteristically is just something that, that we haven't seen before.
1: Yeah, and, and we just know that Wilson can be such a good hitter. So, you know, going to extremes like that is, oh, you yeah. know, you just don't want to see guys doing that uh, and getting out of what has, you know, really made them successful and, and allowed them to right. be at their best. So as as far as KB goes, I mean, it's, it, it's just he, he's— As long as he's healthy, and, you know, we know he sat out a few games after making that diving catch uh, with, you know, like a little sort of pain or whatever in one of his fingers— um, but as long as he's healthy, I, I mean, I, you know, again, you're just on the wrong podcast if you're looking for people to worry or freak out about Chris Bryant, because it's, it's just not there, uh, for me. And again, I'm, I'm, you know, I would keep pointing to those numbers. Like he, he had the slow start, but the numbers in August were really good. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't seem that way. Sometimes he can be a guy that puts up those numbers and, In not necessarily as flashy of a way as other guys, and you know maybe you look and you go, wow, you know he came into that game on Sunday with a 950 OPS, like that maybe I wouldn't have thought of of that. But you know he's just a guy. He puts together good at bats. He walks, uh, even on the whole on the season. You know he's walking at a rate 100 points higher than his batting average. And again, as long as he's healthy, I I I just don't really worry about it. Um, Again, you know he's kind of in this group because on the whole, on the year, your leadoff hitter having a 76 WRC plus and, you know, not contributing at the level you need him to is one of the things that stands out. Uh, mm-hmm. But just to, to kind of close this convo, again, I, I'm not worried about any of these guys. I'm not worried about Javi uh, at all. Uh, you know, I think of all the guys that I worry about, you know, if when they're in a slump and the numbers aren't good, like Javi's really not one of them. He's just too good uh, of a hitter. He's too good of a player you know, slumps happen, right? And, and unfortunately, they're magnified in a short season like this. Uh, but I do think, you know, you kind of have to talk about it. You, you you can talk about this stuff without meaning you're concerned about it, or you're worried about it, or, you know, that you have some sort of like negative opinion on these players. It, it's just a simple, like, it, it's it's a simple thing here. Uh, you know, Javi's got a 61 WRC plus, uh, and, you know, an OPS that's under 700, like he's your three hitter. That's not good, <laughs> you know. So like, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to have some overarching like grand conclusion for the rest of the season or anything else. It can. You know, we're just simply pointing out like your three hitter having a sixty-one WRC plus, uh, and and putting up these numbers. You know, a two hundred three batting average at the moment right now, a two forty-one on base percentage. You know, so he's only getting on base twenty-four percent of the time. That's. Net. Would you move him out of the three spot? i i mean i i might think about it um you know again that's that's one of those conversations that it it's always tricky you know we talked about that with ian happ and, and they did move him up in the order it's 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 all just about the mental game really um you know i i don't yeah. want to do anything that that's going to get hobby in his own head and again he's one of those players that i trust more than anybody to work himself out of a slump uh but it's yeah, I mean, like those numbers just aren't aren't going to cut it uh, out of out of this three spot, and you know, especially with how good Rizzo has been and and the amount that he's uh, been able to do on the offensive side, you know, then you have Javi hitting. You've got KB hitting in front of him and and struggling for part of the year, and then Javi hitting behind him, you know, it's like again, like not to keep uh beating the same horse here but you look at one run games and you go yeah i mean (laughs) you know like your three hitter hitting even league average in in some of these spots might be a little helpful
0: i would think sunday sunday sundays are coming back in the nfl with nfl sunday TV. you can stream every live out of market nfl game Every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, SundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day. Everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from Terra One's CBD products. Terra One tests their products four times before they even get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic grown in the US and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, Terra 1 is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all Terra 1 products. But you've got to go to terragun.com/bluewire. If you don't love what you get from Terra 1, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of your purchase. This is not something Terra 1 is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at terragun.com/bluewire. But only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Well, and just looking at the, the the total numbers from the lineup, the Cubs are 13-6 and six without Javi producing consistently. Yeah with Willie going through this slump and KB not looking like his normal self. And they're still 13-6. and six. And the other guys who have been producing, like Jason Kipnis and going into Sunday, his woba was 3, uh, 492, Ian Happ was 425, and even Hayward was 341. And he was getting hot before his back injury. And David bodie has been producing and Souza the Series produced. They are still finding ways to put up runs when in years past, especially 2018, during that September stretch, right? And even last year during that September stretch as well. Once Javi did not produce, once Wilson heard his hamstring, the offense completely derailed. And this year we're seeing the depth finally step up with Hap and Kipnis and Bodie and Souza. So that, that is a really encouraging sign for me because it does suggest we are winning games with a complete spectrum of players where in years past it was so reduced and narrow and if these guys weren't producing then the team was going to fall off the rails and so going forward in the next few weeks and going in September here you assume that KB is going to get it together and Javi with this approach will eventually lead to runs and some of the other guys like Ian Happ showing sustainable signs of improvement I'm feeling exceptional about the lineup really good Corey Yeah, I again like it.
1: It it's frustrating, and over the course of this weekend, we saw something that we've seen. You know, they they did, uh, you know, make some comebacks in these games. Souza with the home run uh, in the one game to tie things up late, and again Kipnis with a big hit. Kind of going to your point again about you know this lineup getting production from a lot of different spots. Uh, But you know, we did see at least a little bit of that trend we've seen in the past, where they they crack the starter early and then it yeah. you know almost feels like they've decided to take the afternoon off right you had a couple games in the series where they had a three to nothing lead and then you know they do very little the rest of the day uh it's just frustrating is, is really is. the you know it's the not, only thing i'm trying to, to happen yeah yeah it, it, it's just frustrating but to your overall point and again uh Why we're highlighting these three guys in particular is exactly what you said in there. It's not to express concern over these guys. It's to express that this team has had a really good start, a historic start, uh, in fact, prior to this weekend, and you're not getting the production that you know you can get out of three of your best hitters. You would think, right, unless there's something wrong with one of these guys in terms of an injury, which we don't believe is the case— Javi's going to hit, KB's going to hit, and Wilson's going to hit. So this team is playing really well. It took the Brewers, you know, pretty much everything falling their way at times uh, to win a few run-run games. You would, you know, so you should feel pretty good about it is the ultimate conclusion. Like, these guys are going to get going, and the Cubs have played really well despite not getting that consistent production from those spots and it's always possible in a short season that it, it doesn't get to the level that you want it to be but you expect at some point these guys are going to play like themselves are going to put up the numbers that we've seen them put up for years and that bodes pretty well uh when you're able to have the start that the Cubs have the record that they've had and and everything going on with this team despite not getting that production so even though it, you know it's 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 Pointing out some things that aren't going well. The ultimate conclusion, though, is this should bode pretty well because this should not continue uh, for the entire season. And if they were already winning a lot of games without this consistent production, that should make things a lot easier. Uh, especially if you know that production from some of these
0: other spots starts to wane as well. You know, you kind of trade one for the other. You can look at it the other side too. Like, look at Milwaukee, right? They just barely scraped three straight wins against a Cubs team who this year in this small sample was at its worst. And the Brewers needed to win those games, and they did, but they did so barely with the Cubs performing well. So it is a weird place to be because it seems like losing three out of four, you would be more upset and more discouraged and a little bit more worried. And I'm not sitting there in that worry. They still have a 95% chance of making the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs unless something crazy happens. And for the most part, all these guys are, are healthy. You have some nagging injuries, granted, but they're healthy. They're performing well at the dish. They're showing signs of improvement. They're still vibing. Some of those uh, videos, especially Kipnis, Corey. Kipnis is yeah. like, he's, he is vibing in that dugout. Yeah. And so altogether, I I, I I really do mean this. I have no concerns whatsoever about this lineup. And this is the first time i felt that way, maybe, maybe in three years, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good.
1: I think that's fair. So before we move on to, uh, you know, the bullpen and, and, some of the other pitcher stuff, I think, you know, we've highlighted this before, but Kipnis, we, we said this on the last episode, we spent a little bit of time on that. Uh, but Jason Kipnis continues to just be a signing that has worked out about as well as it could. Uh, as you mentioned, he seems to have, you know, found a place in this clubhouse and as a teammate, really easily uh everybody you know seems to really like him they've talked about you know what he's meant as far as his presence is concerned and as you mentioned brendan anytime the camera catches him oh, he's fantastic. having a good time right uh so that that in that regard it's gone really well uh, you know, but in in the limited spots, he's only has thirty six plate appearances on the year. Uh, but he's got a two hundred and six WRC plus, uh, which is well above the one hundred league average. Uh, his OPS is over eleven hundred uh he's hitting 355 from a batting average perspective he's got a couple home runs he's driven in eight runs taken five walks like this is just going really well and as we talked about it's so important with Nico's development and you know how that that's going to be a project right like and you know at times he struggled at the plate had a really nice at bat that didn't end well but a nice at bat against Hayter in the game uh, you know to end the game on Sunday but so important that Ross is able to especially against right-handed pitchers lean on Kipnis you're getting that production at the plate you're getting that professional veteran teammate attitude he's been good in the field for the most part it's 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 worth highlighting just uh, how well that signing has gone and, and and the way that he's contributing. Nice to see Souza having uh, you know some some nice moments here at the plate. Uh, you, you know he had kind of a, a weird start uh, to his season here but but good to see him kind of chipping in and, and getting those moments. Um, so you know you're, you're you're getting some some nice production out of those spots. Um, one thing that I do want to ask you though, uh, we have seen a, and and even in like my wildest dreams, this is not how this would have gone. But Almora doesn't really play. Uh, you know, he's <laughs> he's pretty much literally just a defensive replacement. We've seen a few opportunities over this weekend too for pinch hit spots for a righty, and those have not gone to Almora. Um, the, the, the Fegley one the other day is the one that really stands out. Uh, pretty surprising that that wasn't Elmora. And. You know, Ross talked about this to the beat writers over the weekend about you know how how good Almora's attitude has been, how accepting of the role that he has been, and you know just being ready to do what is asked of him, whatever that is. And you know that's something that we knew. We say all the time, even when we don't want him uh, playing baseball as much, that you know Al, for all intents and purposes, seems like a a wonderful human being and a wonderful teammate. Um, but I will say though, Brendan, I'm I even I'm surprised at how little he's actually gotten in there. He, yeah. he doesn't start uh, at all. Ever. And he's not even getting some of those pinch hit spots that you might have thought he would be getting. Um, and I actually also bring that up, that Fegley at bat, because I, I hated that decision. Um, who did you, who did you want there? I, I just don't, I, like, Josh Fegley, man, it just doesn't do it for me. Um, so really, but it's 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 getting to my overall point which is i'm not really sure how i feel about these guys being on the roster at this point i got um i i don't mind almora as a defensive replacement uh but the metrics didn't really like him as much as they had in the past last year kind yeah it's being yeah so is if he's not going to start which i i don't want him to uh and he's not going to get those pinch hit spots, which I, I do think he might be able to contribute in. We've seen him, you know, at least hit well at times against very particular matchups, uh, you know, and if even if that was just a, a couple pinch hit spots a week or something like that, right? But he's not even getting those. It, it begs the question, is his defense— that good that he's literally only on this roster because of his center field defense i'm not i i don't think the answer to that question is yes and it it sort of makes you wonder like would you rather have someone like ian miller who is bringing you a very unique skill which is his speed might be able to contribute in similar ways as far as offense or defense is concerned as Elmora, but is is definitely going to give you a skill that is stand out way better than anybody else on the team, maybe worth keeping. And, you know, again, for Fegley, like, I understand the logic of having the three catchers. Uh, you know, Vic has not hit as well lately either. And, you know, you're you're trying not to put too much strain on how much these guys are catching or, you know, etc. But I, I, I'm just... I I guess I'm just wondering aloud, like, what are those two bringing to the roster that it's not worth taking a look at some of these other guys? And, you know, I I think he had a a successful start to his his weekend in Texas, but it, it does make you think even just a little bit about someone like Derek Dietrich, who the Cubs invited to the South Bend camp, and then he requested to, opt out of that so that he could pursue a deal where he'd actually be on the major league roster that's what happened with Texas I think he had a bomb over the weekend this isn't like a oh I loved Derek Dietrich that was a mistake because I I never said that and I don't really think that but I'm just starting to wonder like what are Al Mora and Josh Fegley contributing to this roster that it's that it's not worth taking
0: a look elsewhere you know what I mean Yeah, I do want to read a quote from David Ross about Al and his role on the team. And it makes me question after reading this, as as you've questioned, what, what is the utility of Al on this team right now that he provides in addition to what Ian Miller could be providing. So this this is what David Ross said, quote, Al's been a professional as anybody on our team, the way he's handled the adversity of not getting starts, he put in a game on the back end for defense and maybe facing a reliever. That's probably not the best matchup for him. He goes on to say a few more things, but I'm going to finish it with this. Quote, a couple times I pulled him late triggers with him, either pinch running or going in for defense, and he's been ready. He's ready to hit. And he's always got his body loose. He's an absolute pro in every sense of the world. and quote. So if he's going to be used as a defensive replacement or someone who can be a late inning pinch runner, in 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 my mind, Ian Miller is better at al at, at both of those. Like Ian Miller is one of the fastest right. guys in in the league, and defensively, we don't have a good like stable sample size to make any conclusions here. But from what I've seen in spring training and just from years past, I think is a pretty good defender. And granted, we have no idea what's happening in South Bend. That, that's the one thing we always have to consider is we have zero idea of what's going on there. And a lot of the talk yeah. with like Albert Alzoli, we don't know what's going on with him. But bring it back to to Ian Miller and, and Elmora, it, in my mind, it's almost too obvious to, to bring up Miller and send Al down so he can continue to get everyday at bats and push forward the progression he supposedly was making in spring training. So I, I don't understand that in terms of, right. in terms of Fagley and I'll throw it back to you with, with Fagley, the third catcher intuitively makes sense in this wacky season, especially in a context where you have to play five games in three days. Maybe we'll see Fagley start, but according to fan graphs, this, this might be inaccurate, but he hasn't started a game yet. So, uh, like that's not what I thought was going to happen. Is he DH in one of these games or no? He, maybe he has, but according to Fangraphs, he has not started as a catcher. So I could be off here. Even if he, even if he did start, it's only one game, right? We're not seeing Fegley's utility as I anticipated. We're seeing Vic catch, Willie DH, Willie DH, uh, right. Vic catch, right? So we're we're seeing that is the trajectory of how Ross is using his catchers. And so it does beg the question, okay, when we get into a late-inning situation, do we really have to choose between Fegley and Elmora? Do do we have better options, let's say through the free Asian player pool or through someone in South Bend? Because it... It it doesn't make sense to me either, Corey. And I get that in that particular situation with Hater and with uh with Fegley, like yeah, like Fegley is a better high fastball hitter than anyone else on, on on the bench at that point. But that's not comparing Fegley to anyone good on the bench at that point. So you do have to question, okay, maybe we need to go outside the organization and or go back into South Bend and bring someone up, so that when you get into a situation where you need to face or you need to throw in someone to bat against a, a tough-to-hit lefty, let's have someone who can do that. Like, Fegley's not the guy to be doing that right now. I'm
1: with you on, on the Amora stuff, and I, and I do think you're right, too. Like, it would serve Al better to be getting, you know, more regular reps with whatever they're doing in South Bendy. I mean, he's just not doing anything here right now. And his defense is not in that elite category uh, to the point where it's it makes sense to just have him there if you're never going to use him. And, and you know, clearly they don't have confidence in him as a hitter, which is correct, and which we've been asking for them not to have confidence in. So don't take that as a complaint, but it, it just, it, the reason he was on the roster in years past was because they did have that confidence, even though we wished that they didn't. Now it appears that they don't, or at least David Ross doesn't, but he's just sort of like still sitting there. So it just, it's a little confusing to me. As far as Fegley's concerned, a lot of the, you know, he's been in the majors on and off since 2013 with the White Sox. Uh, Got a, a, you know, over 300 plate appearances with the Athletics in 2019. uh, Put up a 693 OPS you know, it's just one of those things, like, prior to that, though, and, you know, this wasn't a lot of plate appearances, but, you know, a sub 600 OPS in 18 and 17 with the Athletics, 686 and 16, and then uh, a couple in the 700s, but that's back in 2015 and 2014. It's just one of those things where it's just like, I I don't think this guy's very good. I know he had, like, a hot summer camp and, you know, spring training or whatever, but I just don't, I don't really see it. And it just sort of feels like he, you know, it's just sort of a bleh kind of guy. Like, you know, right. is he the worst person to have as your third catcher or as a bench guy or whatever? Maybe not, but, uh, yeah, just, you, you, you know, I'm just sort of asking myself the question, like, you know, we're looking at some of these late inning at bats where we're choosing between, uh, Elmora and Josh Fegley. Right. It, you've got to be able to do better than that, I guess is, uh, Sort of what I'm looking at, and you know, again, speaking specifically to someone like Ian Miller, at least you know he's bringing a specific skill set that you can decide to utilize in your offense as you see fit, right? And they do need more speedy guys off the bench bench too. Yeah, so I, I I don't know. It's it you know maybe isn't the biggest deal in the world, but you know we're already you know around 20 games into this season. We're in the middle of August now. It's a short season, like. you you tried this, you're not really using these guys, they're not performing, maybe try something else. And and again, we don't know what's going on in South Bend. I'm not sure the immediate answers there aside from Ian Miller being someone that comes to mind, but they're just not contributing. So I, I think it's just an area where you could look at and go, okay, maybe we can try to do better than this and, you know, maybe explore some other options, but we'll see uh do want to talk about the bullpen just a little bit uh and again i i do think that things continue to be becoming clearer in with some of these guys and and who is in the mix for guys that we trust and and guys that we want to keep seeing uh used in these roles uh casey sadler pitched a few times this weekend pitched again on sunday an inning gave up a hit no runs no walks no strikeouts. 2.7 ERA on the season. He's been able to utilize his stuff to get some ground balls, get some double plays. He's in that mix. He's been good. Uh, we'll talk about Kimbrell last because sort of a better series for him. Uh, but we did see uh, Jason Adam make his debut on Sunday. I thought the stuff was good. He ends a up getting uh, you know, a pretty tough earned run uh, on a bad play from Ian Happ, who needs to step some stuff up as far as his defense is concerned in center field. This is a terrible play. He he makes some bad reads on balls sometimes. So for as much credit as we have given him on offense, uh, and, you know, he's he's working at this center field thing, uh, so I don't want to discredit him in that regard. But this was a, a bad play on that RCA triple. That's it, just not Uh, not a good play. He's got some trouble on those balls on a line, you know, that that are pretty tough to judge, you know, whether to break in or break out. So you want to see that improve. But I thought the stuff from Adam was good. Uh, You know, a lot of ninety sixes in there. uh, Good change up throwing strikes for the most part like i i thought that was uh, a nice debut so he's certainly someone to keep an eye on as we've talked about i think ryan tapera is in that mix he had a good weekend uh you know and and i think he's somebody who is in that mix again it's it's difficult to tell where some of these guys stand as far as super trustworthy uh high leverage etc but again I, i do think there's still like a clear delineation of yes this guy's in that group this guy isn't uh kyle ryan two walks on Saturday and Saturday's game in an inning of work. He did get a strikeout, doesn't give up any runs, but he's, you know, still someone to keep an eye on as that velo was down. He was, you know, obviously late reporting. We talked about that. Um, So someone to keep an eye on. Uh, Jeffress has been really good, just, you know, finally got bit on in the game on uh, Saturday. So I think, you know, he's still in that mix. Um, Ray starts in this series, but I, I thought for the most part was pretty good. So I think he's still in that mix all told basically the 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 point here is that the bullpen has has really made some strides like when when the, when the early season was going i mean it was truly as we talked about an unmitigated dumpster fire just a huge mess uh some terrible performances from some of these guys and that has really trended in the right direction over the last little while here they've collectively been good as a group and you know again like that that super high leverage like we've got you know we can put out any fire we can close any game you know it's it's still a work in progress and it's a small group right now but I think on the whole you're you're starting to see okay I I can picture these are the guys that are going to make up this bullpen maybe they shuffle a little bit in terms of their roles but I think in general like some of those names are who I would expect to see going forward and you know I think you can be optimistic about it. Is it going to be the best bullpen in the league? I don't think so, right? Uh, But are they going to be as bad as they were in that early going? I think they've shown, definitely not. And I think a lot of these guys offer a a pretty good bit of promise to you think that they're going to be able to be at least a consistent group going forward.
0: DePera and Sadler are going to get more chances, which is great. I did love David Ross's quote about owning up and making a mistake not having to pair it on the opening day roster. So I feel like Madden would have never said that last year. So that was interesting to see. The two guys that I'm focusing in on from this series were Kyle Ryan and Craig Kimbrell. I think, Corey, that Brooks baseball and just like the overall velocity recordings for guys, I think they may have been off early on. Looking at it now, and his average fastball has been a little bit above 88 in the past few starts or few outings. And early on, they were recording around 84, 85, 86. And that's what his cutter sits at. So I think there may have been some misclassification. So, right now, in the past four outings, his velocity is a little bit slower than last year, around 90 miles per hour. So it's down about a tick and a half slower. But it's within range of what he showed at a large portion of the season last year as well. So maybe my concern about Ryan is not as founded as I thought it was. And he looked good getting that strikeout in his last appearance against Milwaukee. So that that was good to see. Kimbrel, baby steps. Not there yet. I think everyone knows it. Uh, The velo with 98 was good to see. The curveball got some whiffs, which was great to see. You had the Pitchy Ninja highlight, Craig Kimbrel's. Uh, 87 mile per hour knuckle curve that hit, I forgot which Brewer's batter it was, but it hit him in the ankle and he still swung on it. That was good to see, but still baby steps. I will say we talked about the release point last time. Release points still a little bit unusually low compared to years past, even with throwing faster and with some of the whips he's gotten with the curveball. I I don't know what that means. I don't know if, if the release point is the best way to operationalize what's going on with Kimbrel's mechanics, but take that for what you will, the release point is still exceptionally low despite the VLO, despite the curveball looking better. I don't know what they're working on with that. Nevertheless, baby steps, VLO looked better. The stuff looked crisper. Kyle Ryan VLO looked a little bit more normal, still not to the point that we want. But overall, the bullpen state of the bullpen, I, I think is obvious. I think it is better from what it was three weeks ago. And it looks to be more stable. Is it where we want it to be? No, but it is going, I think, in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I think
0: on Kimbrel, like I'm not
1: ready to, you know, start that episode by saying, Hi, I'm Corey, and I was wrong about Craig Kimbrel. I don't think we're <laughs> uh, near that point yet, but just good to see things trending in the right direction. And I think especially when you have someone who, Ross had said, it's going to take a minute. You know, the, the front office had said, we've he's got some mechanical things we got to work out. Like, you know, they admitted this is a work in progress. And, you know, anytime you see better results as you're going along on these things, you say, okay, well, this looks like progress. Are we done? No. Is yeah. it great? No. But again, just a clear difference in some of these outings that we've seen recently. And, you know, especially that one on Sunday, getting more whiffs, getting whiffs on multiple pitches. Wow. Like, look at that. I know, um, the command has been better, you know, throwing both the curve and the fastball for strikes, was able to throw, uh, you know, that 97, 98 at times at the top of the zone, you know, execute those elevated pitches and get those whiffs there. Uh, and, you know, not giving up piss rocket after piss rocket, right? So, that's progress. Uh, again, it's, it, you got to keep going uh, and you have to see this consistently and you want to see these things sort of continue to trend in that direction. But it's, it, it you know, the, the, this outing and, and the, the, you know, a, a couple of the prior ones, certainly a far cry from what we saw in those first few where it was clear they were sitting fastball. They were immediately, the, the second they saw it, Uh, spitting on the curveball, not even bothering. He was nowhere near the zone. And, you know, we're seeing those things trend in the other direction, right? Like these Brewers hitters looked obviously a lot more off balance by what he was offering uh, versus what we saw against the Reds, you know what I mean? And and that Pirates game as well. So it's baby steps. Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 I don't think you have to offer any, you know, large conclusion about him, but it's at least something that they they spoke about they identified and the the, there's at least some progress in these numbers so that's good (laughs) I mean like obviously like it would be very nice if he could even just be good he doesn't even have to be top level Craig Kimbrell but just like good like someone they can use in this bullpen reliably would be quite helpful so yeah, I, I think that's where it is. Again, you know, before you do this preview of the Cardinals, like just to wrap up this weekend, very frustrating. There's, no, there's almost nothing more frustrating than losing three in a row, three one-run games at home, and three to the Brewers, especially, like I said, when Yelich and Braun are at the center of a couple of those wins. Uh, but this team got off to a really great start. Uh, it, it affords them, uh, you know, the ability to deal with some of these little injuries, to deal with some of the, you know, slow starts to this season from some of their bigger players, and to deal with a, a frustrating series like that. And you know, the mark of a, a good team, and I think the mark of this team will be how they respond to that, because I think they're better than the results showed this weekend. Uh, and even amongst this, there was was still a, a lot of positives. It's a shame that the Udarvish start was four days ago already, because that he was so good in that outing and you know him being that good along with Hendricks being that good and and the the stuff that we've seen from these other guys in the rotation it it should really have you pretty jacked up for this rotation and you know you get some of these guys on offense going a little more and uh you know they're 13 and 6 it's a it's a it's a good place to be despite a pretty frustrating
0: weekend. Okay, so let's preview this upcoming five-game set. I can't believe I'm saying that. Five-game set against the St. Louis Cardinals. All five of these games are at Wrigley Field, so that is a benefit to... It's not a benefit. What am am I kidding myself? This sucks, but they are all at Wrigley Field. The rotation for this series for the Cubs has not been announced. This is as of Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Central time, uh, so we do know Kyle Hendricks will get the nod in Monday in that first game. So I'll just read off the start times of all five of these games and then just you know stay tuned to all the different Cubs announcements for the rotation, uh, probably on Monday or maybe even late Sunday evening when you're listening to this. So the first game on Monday will be at 11 a.m. Central Chicago time. We have the second game, which will be at 4.15 p.m. Uh, the same day. Tuesday, only one game, which is nice to get a little bit of a breather. That game will start at 7.15 p.m. Central time and then back at it on Wednesday. We have another 11 a.m. Start time and then right after that game, they'll be playing their uh, final game of the five game set. So the Cardinals are just getting back into it. This will be their second full series Uh, after coming back. They played against the White Sox this past weekend. The standings as of now, Sunday evening, we have the Cubs 13-6, three and a half games up on Milwaukee, who is now 10-10. The Cubs are four and a half games up of the Cincinnati Reds, who unfortunately had one player test positive. They had their Saturday and Sunday games postponed due to that tested uh, positive case. Monitor that going forward. Cardinals are three and a half games back, but again, they are only four and four. They have played only eight games. That is insane. Pirates in the cellar where they belong at four and fourteen, eight and a half games back, basically eliminated from contention unless something crazy happens for Pittsburgh. So for... My focus this series is to survive, Corey. If I can come out of this with two wins, I will be happy. I want to see the rotation. Uh, just be comfortable, really. That's, that's. I guess, the key word of this series is to sustain your comfort level. This is wacky. This, there's no other way to describe this. I'm shocked MLB is allowing this to happen, to play five games in three days, especially against a Cardinals and there there is a, a degree of seriousness in terms of standings and positioning Th- this is insane that's the best way I can, I can describe it let's get through it get through that Thursday on the off day and just regroup
1: yeah absolutely and you know it's going to be weird uh obviously we have not seen these seven inning double headers before so that's going to be kind of a unique thing uh I, I'm not really sure how that might affect things. I mean, obviously, you approach those games uh, a little differently. Uh, you know, it's it's would certainly help, I think, in that first game if Hendricks is able to—I mean, it, it sounds weird to say because it, in that sense, is a complete game. But, you know, if he can give you seven, right, like that's that would be great to just sort of set up the bullpen and the rest of the pitching staff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you, you just want to see them— have a, a, a better. It's it's really just the results. I, I think on the whole, you know, their their process has been pretty good. Uh, I, I like what David Ross is doing uh, for the most part, and you know, the the at bats have been good. The plate appearances have been good. And this is going to be a it'll be a weird week. Uh, I'm prepared to be either really thrilled or super super annoyed. Uh, so I would suggest you probably do the same, but it's just sort of the the hand that everybody was dealt and you know i think more than anything it would be certainly nice to beat up on the cardinals and you know sort of welcome them back to like you're you're back playing baseball and everybody's pretty less than thrilled with you uh so it's just sort of stick them to them in that sense but it's it's tough yeah five games in three days is tough seven inning double headers is weird and you know something we'll have to see how it plays out but uh would you know i, I think more than anything you know it would be nice if we can get a series that's you know highlighted and, and carried by guys like javi and and kb uh as we talked about it just would feel nice and you know sort of like get off the schneid for some of those guys but uh Again, like it's 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 always hard to keep perspective. You know, this series against Milwaukee started on such a high note. Uh, the Cubs were thirteen and three, like they had this massive lead in the division. And you know, uh, it, it it goes to show how quickly some of that can can kind of bring you back down to earth. But again, that being said, the Cubs are still in a really good position. And in a year where it's it's hard to know like what the benefit is of winning the division, and you're going to have so many teams in the playoffs. Like the key is just to play good baseball right like you can worry about the standings and worry about all that but the key is just to play good baseball which is in general what the Cubs have been doing uh you know get a a couple of things going in the right direction and you know I think we'll all feel uh, a lot better than we do uh after this series with Milwaukee but they're in a really good place they've generally played very good baseball and uh yeah, you kind of just have to deal with the frustrations uh, along the way. But but keep everything in perspective. This is still a very good start for the Cubs, and uh, hopefully they can carry that into this series with St. Louis. But one way or another, Brendan and I will be back with you to break it all down after five games with the Cardinals. Uh, I really hope that's a fun podcast, Brendan, because that's just a lot of games. It's the Cardinals. <laughs> like, just, uh, yeah, let, I'm, I'm hoping that, that that podcast on Wednesday night has a fun tone to it, but uh, buckle in, folks. We've got a lot of baseball, a lot of innings of baseball coming your way uh, over the next three days. Uh, you can follow along with Brendan and I on social media. I'm at CF Cubs Related on Twitter. Brendan is at Cubs Related on Twitter. If you want the better tweets, you have to go a little, you have to do a, a little bit of extra work. Two more letters you have to put in the handle that you have to search for. Uh, no, no, no. I kid. I kid. We will talk to you guys on, we will record on Wednesday night. The Cubs have an off day on Thursday. So, one way or another, we'll be able to uh, digest everything that happened in these five games. Uh, hopefully, a successful run for the Cubs here. As always, we thank you guys for listening to the Cubs Related Podcast. We will talk to you on Wednesday night. And as always, we end by saying, go Cubs.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings